Good morning. We are uh, continuing our series in the book of 1 Samuel, taking note of these kings and these queens and this story that unfolds very strategically. And God is at work in our lives, and I'm grateful. You know, um, John 16, Jesus said these words. I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. And you know, there are moments in life where we will face trouble. To be honest, I, I've had to face one of those. And I want to ask for your prayers this week. Um, Friday night, one of my dearest friends, if you know my story, you know the ambassador baseball team is dear to me. And, and the very first coach that we hired when we started this baseball ministry uh, was killed Friday night. And uh, there's a, if you follow me on social media, there's a, a link. Yesterday we got some of our baseball players together and just kind of spent some time together. And this week I will have the task of preaching the funeral of one of my closest friends. And it's difficult because it's a moment, I mean, when I think back of my life with David and, and some of the most incredible moments of ministry that I ever experienced, he was right by my side. And this morning as I was just in my office, I, I, I just couldn't stop crying as I looked at my wall. And he's in like nine of the pictures up on my wall. But I'm so grateful we sang that song. In spite of this tragedy, um, Jesus conquered the grave. And this is not something we believe passively. This is something we believe with all of our hearts. And in the midst of my grief today, I want you to know that in the, in the, even this week, we grieve not like people without hope. We grieve with a very real hope of heaven. And you know, there are times in life where we will face suffering that has no explanation. And this is one of those moments for us. I don't understand the way God's plan unfolds all the time. Uh, this was not a, um, you know, this was a, just a senseless tragedy. If you, there's a link on Channel 9 in Oklahoma City. They did a story last night. I hope you looked that up and just rub shoulders with David's story. It was a remarkable story. He's the principal at an elementary school in Okarchi. And there's a lot of people to pray for this week as we walk through this journey. Sometimes suffering just comes to us. And we just trust the Lord in the midst of it. But you know, there are times that difficulties come because we're rebellious. And you see, this is, the, this is what we're discovering in, in 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 10. And this, it's important for us to recognize this lesson of the first king and how God is strategically at work in the lives of his people. Because as God's people, as, as, as people that know Jesus and have been forgiven, there are moments in our lives when we know what God wants us to do. It's clear. But yet we choose to disobey him. And, and see, this has been a struggle that God's people have had all through history. God would have clearly spoken and, and clearly revealed himself. And then, and then they go, eh, yeah, we're just not going to do that. And see, this is something we encounter all the time. 
So this morning, as we turn our attention to God's Word in this incredible story in 1 Samuel, I pray that we catch this incredible lesson, that we break the habit of rebellion that often is our experience. You see, here's what had happened. Let me catch you up on the story. Last week, we ended with Samuel saying to all of God's people, you, you really don't want another king. God's people came to Samuel and said, we want a king like everybody else. We want a king like every other country. And Samuel said, no, wait, God is your king. He's the one that, that should be on the throne. No, 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 we want another king. And so it was God's people assuming the throne in their lives. And Samuel was saying, no, God is on the throne. Look to him, not yourself, not an earthly king. And they go, no, 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 we want an earthly king. So God told the prophet, um, let them have it, but tell them, lay out for them the struggles that are going to come because they replaced me. So Samuel did that. Now Samuel was a prophet, and he had this reputation that, that everything he said came to pass. And isn't that interesting that that was his reputation? Because in the story, as chapter 9 unfolds, Saul, this young man that God had put on his heart, God had selected, say, okay, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to put on your heart to become the king because the people want that. I'm going to give them what they want here. And, uh, and, and so Saul says about Samuel, he's, looking, he's on this quest looking for these donkeys in, in 1 Samuel 9. And uh, he's looking for them and can't find them. And, and he goes, let's go to the seer because everything he says comes to pass. Isn't that interesting? And it's true. Um, and so he, they go to Samuel, they have this interaction, and God had said to Samuel, I'm going to bring Saul by. I'm going to bring this guy by. He's going to be the king. I want you to know that. And sure enough, God always keeps his promises and can, I, can you remember that? Let's remember that, that God always follows through with what he says he will do, always. So he told Samuel, this guy's going to come, notice that, and they have this interaction at dinner. And, and, uh, and, and Samuel says to Saul, you're going to start prophesying. And, and Saul's like, what? I'm a kid. We're from the, worst, we're from the least tribe in Israel. What, why, why would I be chosen? And, and he says, look, you're going to be chosen. And, and guess what? Just like God said, it all unfolded. Now we pick up in chapter 10. And this is the moment that Saul becomes the king of Israel. Would you stand with me and let's look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 17. And let's, it's so interesting how this unfolds. Verse 17 says this. Samuel summoned the people to the Lord at Mizpah, and said to the Israelites, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought Israel out of Egypt, and I rescued you from the power of the Egyptians and all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. You said to him, you must set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. Samuel had all the tribes of Israel come forward, and the tribe of Benjamin was selected. And then he had the tribe of Benjamin come forward by its clans, and the Matrite clan was selected. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was selected. But when they searched for him, they could not find him. 
They again inquired of the Lord, has the man come here yet? The Lord replied, there he is, hidden among the supplies. They ran and got him from there, and when he stood among the people, he stood a head taller than anyone else. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the entire population. And all the people shouted, long live the king. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. You may be seated. That's so interesting to me that, look at what's going on. um, Samuel gets in front of God's people and he says, all right, look, God has done all these incredible things. He has led you. He has rescued you from the Egyptians. Uh, Look at verse 19. He says, but today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. Don't we do that often? Isn't it interesting that so often the one who saves us from our troubles, God God is so faithful to save us from our troubles, and yet we're so quick to reject him and rebel against him. The one who, he says, uh, um, the one who rescued you from your afflictions. So often we are afflicted by our own doing. We, 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 we have our own vices, our own struggles, and God is the one that gives us power over those. And we see it time and time again, and yet God's people knew this. They have been rescued from their troubles. They had been rescued from their afflictions, but yet they still said, but we're not going to follow him. But we do the same thing. As I look at the ways that God has worked in us, and, the way, and we've got to break this habit of rebellion. And this is a habit that we, we, we instill in our lives so often. Now, look at verse uh, 21. When, when finally Saul, son of Kish, was selected, but when they searched for them, they couldn't find him. Okay, this is the big moment. This is the moment they're going, here he is, the drum roll. You know, Saul. Where is he? And then look what the Bible says. They inquired of the Lord. Hey, Lord, has he come here yet? The Lord replied, there he is, hidden among the supplies. Now, if you're going to get the king that is going to lead you into battle and rescue you from the Philistines, uh, you don't want him hiding in a moment that everybody's celebrating, right? This would be like, like our country having a presidential candidate that's not qualified or something. I mean, it'd be crazy to think that we could do that. Oh, wait, that may be the news. Sorry, I get those mixed up sometimes. Uh, we don't have any... Never mind, I'll just go on. But, but it's crazy what they would believe. I mean, can you believe this? And then what, they, what do they do? Oh, our king is hiding. Well, hey, someone go get him. Have him come on out. And then he comes out, he's taller, and they go, long live the king. Woohoo! This is great. And it seems so crazy that they would replace the king of all kings, the one who has rescued you from all their troubles, all their afflictions, and they said, we would like something less, please, and then be excited about it. You see, we often do that. We often think that, what we're, what, what our, that our, our rebellion leads us down the best path, but it doesn't. 
Now, the key principle here, because you see, and if you have your notes, follow along with us, because I, I, I pray that we understand this habit of rebellion and how to break it. But, there, but, but God's people are failing here. It's an utter failure, but see, God is strategically at work in the lives of his people. And here's what I want you to see, too. God is always at work in your lives. And this is why in the midst of our, my sadness today, and I said to the ambassadors yesterday, we got together in a real quick gathering of every year of the ambassadors, as many guys that could come, that we got together and we, we said, look, we, we know what it's like to have tragedy, but God can always be trusted. Let's trust him. You see, God's people were just rebelling against him. They were failing to trust him. Well, the principle, the key principle today is that, is that God uses failure to show I need him on the throne. And this morning, I, I, I want you to know you need Jesus on the throne of your life. You're, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you, you've not yet trusted Christ, can I tell you, you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take? I'll tell you, none of us, it, I, I was shocked at 945 Friday night to get a text message from the pastor at First Baptist Kingfisher, who I played tennis with in college. Did you hear about Dave? No. And then at 11 o'clock, got a call from his wife going, no, it can't be true. You see, all of us will walk through that door called death. And if you walk through that door of death without Jesus, you have no hope. And, and I prayed, I'm not trying to scare you, but let me tell you something. My life's too short and my life has been impacted by tragedy and I love you too much for you to go another day without recognizing that you need Jesus more than anything. Come to Jesus today. And I'm not trying to scare you, but let me tell you something. If you die without Jesus, it ought to scare you. And I'm, I have a sense of urgency about me because of What's, what God has done in my life. And, and you need Jesus. But see, here's the thing. So, so often when we come to Jesus, after we come to Jesus, we tend to rebel against him. And see, God is using this failure in the lives of, the, of his people, pointing to the fact you need him on the throne. You're not very good when you assume the throne of your life. And that's why I don't want you to miss this main point of our whole series is that if you win the throne of your life, that costs you everything and it's not worth it. We need to know Jesus as Lord and follow him and, 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 and say, Lord, we surrender to you and we will be a people that say, God, like that old song, I surrender all. And yeah, absolutely, we are a group of people that say we have surrendered to Jesus and we are allowing him to lead us and to direct us and to shape us and to grow us and to mold us into his image. And as we do that, we've got to break this habit of rebellion. Because if God's people would have broken that in this moment, it would have been a completely different story. But they didn't. So how does God use our failures? Let's, and what I love about the Bible is there, there are many moments in Scripture when you look at it and read it and study it and you go, yeah, i got to do that. That's exactly the way I need to live. But there are also moments in Scripture like this one that you study and you dig into and you go, we need to not do that one. 
Let's learn from this. That's why God gave it to us. So the first step, if we're going to break this habit of rebellion, I hope you follow along in your notes, is this, is is we've got to come to the point where, where I realize I'm out of control. See, this was a moment that God's people were completely out of control. They thought they were in control, but they were out of control. And I'll tell you, you will begin to live if you come to this realization that you are out of control. And, and, and it's like this. So often, we come to think that our sin is not that bad, that this is not that big a deal. Whether it's a, a pornography, looking at something you shouldn't look at, or a, or, or a relationship that you shouldn't have, or a, or a habit that you're putting into your life, we think, oh, well, it's not really that bad. I'm better than so-and-so. But, but see, that's God's called us to surrender to him in everything. We don't compare ourselves with one another. We're to surrender to Jesus. And see, this is what God's people didn't do. And, and, but, but there's always this denial of the fact that, that I, I just deny that, that this sin hurts me. That, that, that I deny that, God, your plan is better. I deny those things. And see, here's what God does. God uses several things to get our attention, and he's doing this in his, within the life of his people. God often uses crisis to get our attention. And, and sometimes he will bring a crisis to us. So like one of the things we said last night, yesterday to these guys, our guys, there are a couple of them that aren't walking with the Lord. And I looked at them and said, God's using this moment to draw us close to him. Remember to walk with Jesus, guys. There are times God brings a crisis. Maybe you've gotten that call that you're, you're moving or there's an illness or you're, you're, you're having a job change. And it's a moment where it's a crisis that, that brings us back to the Lord. Thank the Lord for those. There, there are times that God will use a confrontation, that, that, that God will bring someone into our lives. Like Samuel is confronting God's people saying, don't do this. And, and he loved them enough to say, Stop. And see, there are many times, this is why we've got to be in group and and, in groups and we've got to be in Bible studies and we've got to be in relationship with one another. You can't just come into this room and look at the back of someone's head. We've got to live life together because there are moments when God will put someone in our lives to confront us. You see, Samuel was, was respected. He what he said came to pass and he confronted God's people. They just said, yeah, we don't want to do that. God sometimes brings catastrophe, things that, where it just all caves in. And see, this is the way God is working. And, 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 it's, and it's this moment that, that we've got to understand that we, when we think we can save ourselves, we get in a lot of trouble. And my prayer is, is that if we'll just get honest about where, that we're out of control, then, and, and we're honest about the things that need to change and then get after it and change it, then I'll tell you what, if we stop rebelling, you'll find peace and help. It's the same idea, and I want you to turn over in your Bibles to Romans 7. Turn over real quick. I want us to look at this. Because um, and, and we see this as Paul gets honest about his personal failure. 
in Romans 7. Romans 7 and 8 are two interesting passages. Romans 7 is a problem chapter. Romans 8 is a solution chapter. It's really interesting as Paul says these things about his own failure. And it's, and it's one of those passages of Scripture that you have to say, i got to look at that. i got to think about that and organize this. But verse 15, look at Romans 7, 15. It says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells within me. Paul's basically saying, what's wrong with me? Why am I struggling with this inner battle? And we, we say the same thing. We struggle with this rebellious attitude. That's what Paul's saying here. It's, it's no different than Peter when he, he was... Uh, remember when he was in the boat and he got out of the boat and looked at Jesus and, and Jesus said, come walk to me. And he walked for a second, but then he took his eyes off Jesus and sank. Okay, it's this, I want to, Lord. It's like when G Peter went to, to the, the garden with Jesus and he, and he had just said, I will, I will never leave you. I'm going to stay close to you. And then he fled and denied Jesus three times just hours later. So often we find this struggle that that. I, I, I struggle with following through, and, and that's normal. And, 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 and Paul talks about that our, our sinfulness reveals that we need Jesus. So we've got to be honest and quit denying our sinfulness. Look at verse 18. Paul goes on to say, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Paul's echoing this challenge of, of the heart is deceitful, and, and I'm, he just feels incapable of doing the right thing. And, and he goes on, verse 22, look at this. He talks about, I'm at war. For I delight in the, in the law of God in my inner being, but I, but I see my members, another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That word wretched means to be like emotionally and physically spent through hard labor. And he says, I am just wretched. I can't do it. And see, this is, this is a way that we feel sometimes. Have you ever felt that way? You, you know what God wants you to do, but you say, God, I, I can't do it. I, I just can't keep going. I, I'm, I'm out of control. You know, when you find yourself in that moment, admit it. Admit it. Stop and recognize that we're out of, I'm out of control. Lord, I need you. In my life today, I'll be honest with you, I, I've, been, uh, I've been singing and thinking and meditating on, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you every hour. I need you. And I felt that today. And see, I pray that we come to this point in life where we say, Lord, we are out of control. We need you. And I pray that's where we all are in this moment. Because we get in trouble when we think, we, I got this on my own. Step one to overcoming this rebellion, this rebellious habit, is realizing we're out of control. Step two is this. And if God's people would have done this, it would have been totally different. Step two is this. You need to recognize God's plan as the best plan. 
And this is something I pray you see, that, that, that God's plan is always the best plan. I don't always understand God's plan. I don't understand God's plan in David's death right now. And I may not ever on this side of eternity. I may not. But I'm trusting Jesus today. And, and, and we've got to recognize God's plan is the best plan. And this is something that, that all through Scripture, if God's people would have done this, in this moment, it would have been, it would have made all the difference. And, and I pray that we, we see this. It, it, it's exactly what he says. Look at verse 25 in Romans 7. Look at this. He, Paul goes on. He's like, I'm so, it's so terrible. It's so tough. And I'm, I'm, I'm such a mess. But then verse 25, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, why would he say thank you after that? Well, it's not a surprise to us. Jesus told us that I'm the, in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He told us in John 10, 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. John 8, 36 says that, that, that if, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you'll be free indeed. That Jesus helps us. And so he goes on, look at verse 8, chapter 8. Paul ends the, the problem chapter and starts in chapter 8 with this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he goes on and says, well, look, I'm no good, but wait a minute. God helps me. And see, this is what God's doing in his people in 1 Samuel. I want you to look at, turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 10. Look at this. Look at, look at verse 26. They had this horrible moment of, of God of God's say, them saying, okay, we can't find the king, but oh, pray long live the king. It's not a good moment. But verse 26 says this. Saul went to his house. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah. And brave men whose hearts God has, had touched went with him. Now it seems like if your king is hiding the brave men aren't going to go, let's follow that guy. But God was faithful. And here's something I want you to know. In spite of our rebelliousness, do you know that in spite of our struggles, do you know that God will never quit on you? And in spite of my struggles, God never quits on me. And I'm so grateful for that. And we see this all through Scripture. And, and, you, and you see that how God brings a new focus to our heart. And what I pray today is that in this moment, if you have walked into this room and you are bent on rebelling against God, you are bent, you have decided, God, I know what you want me to do and I'm just not going to do it. If that's where you are today, I pray that God brings this new focus to your heart. It's interesting if you look at Romans 7 and 8. Because... 36 times in 10 verses in chapter 7, Paul uses the word I, me, and my. 36 times he does this. He says, I'm confused, I'm sinful, I'm at war, I can't do it, I'm discouraged. And that's so natural, it's so easy for us in the midst of a difficulty to look inward and look at ourselves and look at our mountain and look at our struggle. And it was easy to do this Friday night for me, to look at the struggle and look at, oh my goodness, what are we going to do, and what, what am I going to do, and what am I, what, what is, and it was difficult, and that's a natural reaction we all face. But look what Paul does. Chapter 7 is the problem chapter, but chapter 8, if you study that whole chapter, three times he references I, 
and 53 times he references God. He changes his focus. He's like, God, I'm going to look to you. And, and can we see this? When we are in this habit of rebellion, it's Christ that needs to be on the throne of our lives. It's, it's, it's Jesus that we look to. Not to our own pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, not to our own status or our own abilities. We look to Jesus. And we recognize, God, your, your plan is the best plan. And I am grateful that in the midst of rebellion, and we see it all through God's people, in the midst of our moments of struggle, our moments of, of rejecting God, he, he forgives us and moves us and helps us see that his plan is the best plan. I love Psalm 103, 13 and 14. It says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. And the best news of all is that the Lord has the power to help me not be rebellious anymore. And this is what I want you to see God doing today. If you are in this moment of, of just rebelling against God's word, rebelling against God's plan, stop. Turn to him and recognize that he has the power to help you. And, and I pray that we see that. You know, step one, if we're going to break this habit of rebellion, we've got to realize that we're out of control. We, we've got to recognize God's plan is the best plan. And step three, what we have to do is we've got to restore, I've got to restore my will and my life to Christ. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to stop rebelling, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm, I'm restoring my, my will to you, my life to you. And, and this is, it's basically this. We, we are people that say, God, we are going to accept your offer to help me. Samuel stood before God's people and said, God is offering to help you. He has done this all through history. He's helped you with your afflictions. He's helped you with your troubles. Don't reject him. But they did. And if they would have said, look, we are going to restore our will to God's will. So often we say, God, I want my will, not your will. But our call to follow him is, Lord, your will be done, not my will be done. We need Jesus. And and. And God helps us. He moves us. He, but, but, but what we have to do is plug in and pay attention to the help that God's providing. It's like uh, we, we, Philippians chapter 2. Someday we're going to walk through this book. Philippians is a great book. But it says this. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purposes. See, God speaks, and when, when you have that moment when you know what God wants you to do, that's the Spirit of God at work saying, look, you, you, I'm speaking to you. I'm leading you. Trust me. Don't turn away from me. And it's interesting because Samuel is in front of God's people, and he was trustworthy. They knew that what he said would come true. And he said, you don't want to do this. But in that instance, they said, no, we're going to anyway. Let's learn from that. 
And, 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 and this is what happens when you say, God, I'm going to turn my will to you. I'm going to turn my life to you. It's described in, in 2 Timothy 1.7. Look at this verse. I've got it up here. It says, it says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and, of, and, and, and self-control. And see, when, when I'm in this moment of rebellion, and I turn to Jesus and say, God, I'm turning to you. What, what that looks like is, is we experience the power of God at work in our lives. God will give you power over this habit of rebellion. Whatever you're choosing to disobey in, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a habit of, of, on the internet, or whether it's an it's a alcohol or drug habit, when you turn to Jesus, he gives you power. He gives you strength. I felt it today. I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm, st- I'm struggling today. But I felt the Lord give me the strength to do what he's asked me to do. And you can see that every day in your life. He gives you power. Like Timothy said, he, he gives you, then, then we, we have love. We have the ability, power, love. And, and we have the ability to love people and, and not have this fake intimacy, not have this fake relationship with God. It's this authentic relationship with God, which is one of the prayers I pray for a church, our church, is that we are an authentic people. That, that we don't have to have it all together when we walk into this room, but we are experiencing the Lord put our lives back together. I love that about Jesus. And there's got to be an authenticity, that, a love for one another, that, that I'm not afraid of being honest and, and accepting other people's honesty. And, and then, like Timothy says, he, he, he doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control. You really aren't living until Christ is directing and leading your life. And this is why it's so important for us to know him as Savior and Lord. Are are you in this moment of rebellion? Can I just be a faithful pastor today and just say, stop? Turn to Jesus. Surrender your will to him. Allow him to give you the power, the love, and the self-control because he's big enough to do it. So allow him to lead you. What's keeping you from following Jesus today? Can I tell you it's not worth it? Rebellion will always lead you down a destructive path. So let's admit, God, we are out of control today, and we need you. God, your plan is the best plan, and he's revealed his plan through his word, through his Holy Spirit. And then, Lord, In this moment, I turn my will, my life to you. I turn to you. Would you stand where you are? And as we stand, we're going to have an invitation. And we stand on purpose in an invitation. Because God moves us. And we've got to be prepared to move every time he tells us to move. 
And without apology, we've got to be willing to move. And maybe you need to come and pray and say, Lord, I, I surrender this to you. Lord, golly, how do you know I was rebelling? I didn't. But God did. And can I tell you, don't go one more day without, without him being on the throne of your life. And if you need to come to Jesus today, you could come and take us by the hand and we'll take you outside this room and help you know what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus, how, how, how Jesus can be your Savior. We'll help you today. Maybe you just need to come and for the first time in a long time. God, I, 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 I surrender to your plan. It's the best plan. I surrender to it. Maybe it's just a simple, God, help me today. He'll do it. Let's not miss this amazing blessing of an open altar where God is inviting us and moving us to trust him today. I gotta tell you, I need to trust him today. Because it's gonna be, it's a tough week for me because I'm gonna miss David Ballerine. I am. I'm going to miss him. But I trust in Jesus today. I trust him. And you can too, regardless of the difficulty of your moment, your situation, you can trust him. Try it. Lord Jesus.